Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. Growth isn't easy. Sometimes it's easy to get discouraged. I don't know if you've ever been discouraged that, you know, I'm not the person I want to be or I'm not where I want to be or, wow, I can't believe I'm dealing with this or I should be beyond this. And and just a moment of discouragement. I'm sure that none of you face discouragement at all. Um, But I want you to know that there is some visible transformation happening. And we are in a series called Rooted. And I would encourage you to go download our app. You can get it on iTunes or Google Play and go back and listen to some of what we've been talking about. But in this series, we've been challenged to look at our root system because whatever you plant is going to grow. If you plant negativity, you're growing negativity. If you plant something life-giving, something life-giving is going to grow. And, and I think it's funny that sometimes we want a great product, but we don't want to work, come on, to sow the seeds. Everybody wants the orchard, nobody wants the seed. If I came up to you and I said, man, we, I have a bunch of apple trees for you. I'm going to just give it to you. I have uh, 4,000 acres of fully grown apple trees. You're going to be like, holla. Because it may not be that you love apples, but you like money. You know what I'm saying? And so you may sell them. You may get into business of production. But everybody wants the fruit. But a lot of people aren't excited about the seed. You want me to plant? You want me to plant and wait? You... It's not instant. And we talked about how in our culture, we are a very instant society and waiting is very apropos. It's hard for us to wait on anything. And I think that a transformed heart doesn't happen quickly. But it's, it's constant movement toward who God wants us to be and living life in Christ living life in Christ. And so I think that all of us here, no one wants to grow bitterness or jealous, being jealous or stress or, or lust. None of us want to grow into those things. But I'll tell you, if we plant the everlasting seed of Christ, what will happen is there will begin to be transformation happen in our life. I want to give you one verse that we've looked at a few times and, and just kind of set the preface of what we're talking about. Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 8 says this, Colossians 2, 6 through 8, says this, um, As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus Christ the Lord, walk in Him, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it, with thanksgiving. Now, this is a, a, a awesome text because what it says is, as, I want you to look at as and so. As you have received Christ, so walk in Him. So I, I, I want to kind of walk through this concept of, well, is all we need to do is be saved. If we're saved, that's it. Come on, we bought the ticket, we're good, we're instantly redeemed, our sin has been wiped away, and the reality is all of that is true. But it This verse kind of tells us that there is more than just receiving Christ. Like receiving Christ is the beginning of a life that is going to be transformed 
And we have to walk, we have to be rooted, we have to be built up in Him, established. What does it take to be established? Come on, I, I, we, Devin and Sydney, I don't know if you know, Devin was just up here doing the announcements. He had just got married. Now, I, I, I joke with him, but I said, hey, Dev, you've been married two weeks. You got it all figured out? He looks at me and he's like, No. No, no, I don't. Why? Because it takes a little time to be established. It takes a little time to figure out the, how do we deal with I want it on 65 and you want it on 90. We're going to have to establish this. You know, I, I, we're going to have to establish the fact that I like to leave on time. And, and you like to leave fashionably um, not on time. We're going to have to establish this. Does that make sense? We're, it's not just because you get it doesn't mean that it's grown and it's established something in your life. I like the next part of this verse where it says beware. Beware. When, like, when the Bible tells you to beware, you probably just need to beware. Like... That means be assertive, look out, don't be naive. Don't be naive. Be aware. You know, I'm teaching my kids right now. I'm, I'm, I'm making Trevor buy a lot of stuff and, and do a lot of stuff. And so last night he ordered pizza from Domino's. It was torture, okay? It was torture. Uh, 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 but, I'm, but I'm teaching him. I'm like, you're going to have to be able to work in this world. So you're going to have to order pizza. And so he's like, I want uh, pizza with three toppings. And I was like, what's the price? I didn't ask that. Okay, we'll call him back. Do I really have to? Well, he, he's learning how to be established. Does that make sense? In, 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 this, in this world, and, and we're... We're having to grow. And here's the thing. I, I see a lot of Christians victimized by the enemy because they just don't want to spend the time to learn how to overcome. We just want to overcome. We just want to overcome. Just like we all want to go to Disney World, but, but Disney World costs $6,000. I mean, it's just, we, we all want a lot of things. And so I just, I just want a new car and I just want a new home and I just want a new business and a new job. I just, I just want it. And maybe it's because we grew up with the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and, and the girl just singing a song about how she wanted it all now that we think we, we're entitled to this. I mean... I should just be able to have a car. I'm going to vote for anybody who lets me go to Disney World because I feel like I should just be able to go. And here's the thing is in order to get what we want, there is a process and they got to sow seeds. Does that make sense? And so in our faith, beware lest anyone cheats you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, but not according to Christ. In other words, what the writer is saying here, what Paul is saying is, is that you can have thoughts that are contrary to God, and the whole time you're thinking, hey, I'm walking like a believer. Beware. 
Beware. You know what? Does that thought produce that? If we want to walk in victory, what are the steps that we have to do to walk in victory? If we want to be a different mate, then what do we need to do to be a different mate? If we want to raise our kids different than the world, then probably we don't need to have them on the TV, glued to the TV, getting the concepts of, of something that's different than this for 60 or 70 hours a week. I'm not, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying cancel your cable. I'm just saying if you want to grow something, you have to look at the seeds that we're sowing. And today I want to talk about visible transformation. Uh, Let's turn to Haggai. I know you probably were just there reading Haggai. Uh, probably just there. You're like, oh, that in my quiet time this week, I was rocking me some Haggai. Haggai, and, and, and I want to, to, to give you a little thought on this text. Before we get into this passage, I want to set it up for you. The prophet Haggai was 70 years old, and he is beginning to prophesy to his people and say, hey, hey, you know, it's time for us to make some changes. He was an older man looking back on the glories of his nation. He still remembered when they were a free people. And after 70 years of captivity, he was ready to be free. Burning inside him was a great desire to see his people rise up from the ashes of exile to reclaim their rightful place in God. But they had become discouraged. See, they tried to build God's temple back, but, but they quit because of opposition, because of rulers, because of people there, that, because uh, uh, the king and, and the people who had exiled and, and taken them captive, you're not going to build, and they would not allow them to continue, and so they had quit building the house of God. And here is what Haggai begins to talk about. It's interesting, in fact, in Ezra, look at this real quick because I just want to make sure Ezra 4, 24 says, Thus the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased, and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. See, they had faced opposition and they quit. And now 16 years later, Haggai is talking about the lack in their life. How the lack in their life is directly connected to the condition of the house of the Lord. Let's look at this, Haggai chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your planted houses, and this temple lie in ruins. How, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have much sown, you have sown much and brought in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You're clo you clothe yourself, but you're not warm. And who who earns wages, earns wages to put in the bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Come on, says the Lord. I don't know about you, but I like Haggai. 
He's passionate, straightforward. He's simple. I believe that He is teaching us something today. And if that we are going to grow into the fullness of who Christ has for us, we today, do we need to consider our ways that growth happens in our life is predicated on how we change and what we value. That the growth in our life is predicated on how we change and what we value. And you see, God's people were discouraged and had stopped building and stopped growing. They were only focused on their own lives. They were busy and the growth had stopped. But the prophet Haggai was saying, people of God, there is more. And here's what I want to say to you today. There is more for you than what you currently have. And I'm not talking about trying to just change your morality. I'm not trying to talk about making you the better you. I'm talking about when you build the dwelling house of God and you focus on Him, fruit will come from your life and it will change your life. It'll change your life. We get to see that as we build God's house, there is a visible transformation. That's what I want to talk about, visible transformation. Haggai says that when we build the house of God, we will see results in our life. Our lives will be full, blessed, fruitful. That He talks about that there needs to be a shift and our focus needs to be realigned. And Haggai was saying that if we as people would work on God's dwelling place, that we would see future blessings and future results. Wow, what a big change. That's a big change. I don't know why change is so difficult. I, I know that maybe you just love change, but the reality is I, I have a problem with change. And here is my problem with change. It's not that I don't like to change. It's just I just want to control all the change that I have. Come on, somebody. Is this right? I don't have the problem with change that I change, but I don't want someone else circumventing my will and making me change because I change us not. The problem is I don't mind change if I want to change, but I don't want you to change me because I don't want to change. And I feel like there's a few areas in my life that I constantly have to change. I mean, you may, maybe areas for you, but let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about marriage. We have this marriage thing totally jacked up. The whole way it goes down, it starts with dating, and that's all the fun stuff. Think about this. We spend. We pretend. We stay up late. We, we are intentional. Well, time is, is nothing to us. You know, I remember working, and I would go to work at 5.30, and I would get off literally at 12 at night, and then I would go up and spend time with Katie. And now it's like the kids go to bed at 10.30. She's like, okay, let's talk. And I'm like, I'm so tired. <laughs> it's really been a rough day. I talk, tell me all the deep things of your life. Go! And I'm like, it's good. It's a good day. I mean, before we got married, I mean, we were adventurous. 
We got married. Before we got married, we jumped out of a plane. We did, we were, we did parachute. We jumped out of a plane 12,000 feet in the air before we were married. We were like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Let's jump out of a plane. Okay. Now we're like, what do you want to do for our date? Oh, what movie do you want to see? Adventure. Where do you want to go eat? Same place we ate last week. Adventure. We jumped out of a plane. I was strapped to another man that I didn't know. And I was banking that he would land safely. I'm in love. It's crazy. But something happened along the way. We wa- I wanted easy. Church, i got to confess something. In my life, I want easy, comfortable. I, I, I don't, I don't want to have to work for any, everything. I mean, who wants to work for everything? I mean, come on, work is the enemy. <laughs> work is the man. I mean, work? And if we're not careful, here's what will happen to our life. We'll get complacent. We'll get lazy because we no longer want to do the things that got us. Come on, does it make sense? I know I'm not talking to anybody today but myself. You know, it's naive for us to think that we can set the cruise control and get to the designated destination. You know, I love cruise control. I, I, I love cruise control. And, and I am a terrible driver. I'm just going to tell you that because I, 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 am, I am constantly annoyed by just driving. Like I have to do five things. So I'm like, I need to set the cruise control. I cannot wait until the car drives itself because I will be doing other things. I will be, on, I will be working. I'm, I've had the laptop up, connecting to Wi-Fi, setting on cruise control. And my wife is like, really? <laughs> Like what we're not, what we're doing now, driving 80 miles an hour, is not important. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I shut it. And I'm, okay, you're right, you're right. It's just so boring to just drive down a road. I'm just driving down a road. And I just want to set the cruise control. I can't wait till the wheel like knows. I want to buy a smart car so that it, the car can drive and I can do something meaningful because just getting us where we're supposed to go. I mean, come on. Who wants to do that? Be safe. Overrated. And what I found out is when I set the cruise control, there's always the person that messes up my cruise control. I am going the speed limit. You are supposed to not be in this lane. You were supposed to be in the slow lane. Move out. You saw me coming. Get out. And now I have to break and I have to reset it. And I spend most of my time resetting the cruise control because all I want to do is do nothing. a lot like our spiritual life. All I want to do is go to church. I want someone else to study the word for me. I want to drive by. I want to mid church. I want you to break it down for me. Serve it hot. 
And then I want to go and I want to leave, but then I'm frustrated that I'm not growing to the person, come on, that I really wanted to be. And I feel like my potential is somewhat limited and I, I really have a calling on my life to serve and be in the children and do and, and do and worship. Man, you don't know. I, I can play. You have, no, you have no idea all the things that are burning in my heart to do. But really, I, uh, maybe I'm not talking to anybody today, but you know, it's amazing. When I got, when we were getting married, I was reading like relationship books. My wife was like, reading this book called Avoiding Mr. Wrong. And I was like, let me see that. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like reading books. I want to be the best husband ever. I was listening to podcasts. Family Life Today was like my podcast jam. Every time I got into the car, I was listening to the guys and wanting to be this great husband. And you hear what I'm saying? But it's, something happens over time. And, and we just want to manage, but we stop wanting to grow. I'm an Apple product guy. I don't know if you like Apple. Come on, I, don't, don't hate, don't hate. You know, all of you other less uh, um, technically advanced people group. I'm an Apple junkie, I have to confess. I, I, I mean, I'm not talking about eating apples, I'm talking about technology. I remember when I got my first Apple, my iPhone. Come on, I remember. And you know, some of you, you are technologically privileged, um, but all of us who are 40 and over, we remember, come on, we remember pen pal days. We remember actually using the pen and writing. You know, we remember that. There was no double thumb text. We, we, I remember when phones came out, come on, and we went from this to hand hello. <laughs> you know? To, 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 you know, everybody went real small. I remember rocking my, uh, uh, my snake phone. Uh, what is it? The Nokia. I remember rocking that. I remember the first time I became an adult and I bought an iPhone. The screen was in color. I, I mean, I got to take you back because some of you, like, were, you were just, like, born and your parents handed you a tablet. You know what I mean? And so the idea that a phone wasn't in black, uh, the idea that a phone was in black and white, you're like, was Jesus alive? You know what I mean? You're technologically privileged. But but the reality is this, is that I remember getting my first, and so, you know, everybody was getting the iPhone, and I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like everybody else. I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to sip the juice. I'm not going to, I'm different. Then after a while, everybody's having it, and I would see the cool people on the commercial, and I'm like, I want to vicariously be the cool person. And so I, I got my first iPhone. I remember hitting the button and display, and not only was it a phone, it was a, you know, Walkman without cassettes, <laughs> and it had music in it. And it was like, oh my, and I could get my email, and I was like, what? And here's the deal. On the commercials, iPhone, now it's iPhone X, and it does all this stuff. And you know what? They don't ever tell you about Apple's dark side. They never, there's never a commercial about the endless updates <laughs> that cause me pain. Yeah, 
I thought I was just going to get a phone, but it's an update for this and an update for this. And now they just did an update where they changed the icon. And now it went from a, a music thing. It went from the, that little app symbol to a star. And I can't even find it anymore. Why'd you change it? What are you doing? And all these updates, and it continually updates. And everywhere I go and want to update, I'm always like, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I think it's been five years. Tomorrow. <laughs> You're, you're messing with my change. I don't want to update. I don't want to update. But you know what? You look at the iPhone, the first one that came out, and it was like, oh, it's cute. And now it's like, <laughs> And here's the thing. You know, I am being funny, but I'm trying to communicate a thought. And my thought is this. Many of us want maintenance-free Christianity that requires no updates. It requires no growth. It requires nothing from us, but we're frustrated that we're not growing in us what we really feel like God has for us. You hear what I'm saying? The reality is we've got to continue to grow. We've got to continue to move forward. And who we are today should change. I want to give you three points that I found from Haggai chapter 1 verse 8 that, that the Lord was really ministering to me and I want to give them to you. Chapter 8, verse 1, I mean chapter 1 verse 8. And I'm going to actually start in 7. It says, And the Lord of hosts said, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified says the Lord. I want to talk about three ways that we can see visible transformation. Three ways that we can see visible transformation. The first is we got to go up the mountain. We got to go up the mountain. You know what? As we look through the text in the Bible, there were countless, countless people that did not want to go up. They only wanted to send a few people up. You think about Moses and, and the leaders that he wanted to take up, but they only went halfway. They said, Moses, no, you go up the mountain. And many times in Scripture, every time we see a, a mountain, it was always indicative and represented the presence of God. You know, this last... Uh, summer, I went and took our family to Colorado, and there was something therapeutic about the mountain. Walking up, there's no signal lights on the mountain. Come on, somebody. There's no 7-Elevens. You go too far. You need to, you know, you don't need to leave breadcrumbs because there's people that, there's animals that eat it. You know, you just need to know your way back. There's not busy. I, I find it interesting when God gave the law to Moses. And spoke to him about what he wanted his people to be. He had to walk up the mountain. I find it interesting when Jesus met the woman at the well and said, and she said, hey, are you the God of the mountain? And he began to say, there's going to be a time when people are going to worship. They're going to worship freely. And it's not going to just be found. I'm not going to be found on the mountain anymore. I'm going to be found in people's hearts. I find it interesting that Jesus walked three of his disciples up the mountain and they came back transformed. They saw something up on the mountain that changed their life. What does God have waiting for you up on the mountain? I'm not talking about a physical location. I'm not like, like okay, I'm going hiking. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about metaphorically making the steps and taking the time to go connect with God.
to connect with God. The truth is it's just a metaphor. We're not physically climbing a mountain, but you need to think about a couple of things that I think that Haggai is trying to say. When he said go up the mountain, there were a few things that I, I could think about when he was talking about going up the mountain. Going up the mountain is work. It's work. If we're going to grow in our marriage, if we're going to grow in our relationship with Christ, if we're going to grow, it's going to take work. Your relationship with Christ, it takes work. Your freedom from sin was a free gift, but your growth in Him requires something from you. You don't just levitate up the mountain. You have to work. You have to walk. You have to move up the mountain. Maybe, maybe Netflix is America's new idol. Maybe we're so trying to find ways to cope that we're so busy and the one thing that'll heal us and change us is going up the mountain. You hear what I'm saying? And if we're not careful, we will have a lot of substitutes that'll keep us from changing our life. Work. Praying. Praying is work. I remember when I first started praying, I was like, okay, here we go. I'm talking. Talking. It's really weird. I'm talking in a room by myself. It's kind of weird. If my, peop- if my friends could see me now, they'd be like, what you smoking? Just talking. It's work. It's work to connect with God. It's a work to hear God. It's a work to turn off some stuff. It's a work to get in your Bible. You know, you pray and you read your Bible, you'll be strengthened and you'll strengthen your root system. And the reason we want a strong root system is because a storm will come. It will. You know, the next thing is it takes intentionality. No one just decides to walk up the mountain. I mean, it was funny. When we, when we were in Colorado, we were going to go hike this one mountain. And I was just like, let's go! And my wife was like, okay, we need water. We need like bugs. We need this. I'm like, well, let's just go up the mountain. And she's like, no, we have to be prepared. Everybody has jerky. You know, I'm like, are we getting stranded? Are we, are we living up in the mountain? You know, but it takes a little bit of intentionality. God wants you to be intentional with your relationship with Him. Like connecting with Him. Time. It takes time. You don't go on a, on a mountain walk fast. You know, like, I don't know, is speed mountain walking a thing? I don't know. I mean, do they wear the tight and then just kind of walk them? You know, hip, 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 hip. I, I, I don't know, but I don't think speed mountain walking is a thing. Maybe. But I think if you're going to walk up the mountain, like, this is what I'm doing. Like, the email needs to be responded. Hey, I'm out of the office right now. I'm walking up a mountain. I'll be back. But what we want is we want quick drive-by connections with God. But you know what? Sometimes to detox your soul, it takes some time. What if what you're carrying today, you don't need to carry? What if your spiritual life is in ruins because you, 
you've just been busy giving yourself to other things. That's, that's what I feel like he's talking about. Go up the mountain. The last thing is it takes commitment. Come on. Have you ever been in a, in, in, in a, in a situation where you wanted to start the race, but finishing was a whole different story? I remember running track. And my coach comes up to me and says, hey, Sexton, you're going to run? I was like, yeah. He's like, great, you're doing the two mile. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you're going to do the two mile. Why? What did I do? You don't like me. And I remember, like after a mile, my side, this incredible pain that was locking up my whole body. And I'm like, ah! And he's yelling, just put your finger in your side. And I'm like, that's not the issue. The issue is, is I'm running still. The question is, are we committed to this or do we just look at other people's faith and go, I want that and I'm going to do what I need to do to get that because really I don't have a vision for total health. I just want to be better than I was yesterday. See, there's two types of people that use God. Some people use God to cope and other people use God to heal. Some people just want God, church, Christianity to help them cope with life. But Jesus wants to reach into those areas and pull out all the things that the enemy has tried to destroy your life with. And he wants to heal them. And in order to heal them, he has to touch them. And there's a difference between coping and healing. Does this make sense? My encouragement to you is walk up the mountain. The second thing is this. It says... In the verse it says, bring back wood. And so I, I interpret that as, bring back what you get. Your life is not in your attendance. It's in you connecting with the Father and bringing something back. Like I went there, I left that, and now I have this. And now I have this experience. I have this freedom. I have this whatever. And now let me begin to build something, come on, that someone else can use. Go up the mountain. Bring back what you get. What we really have comes from our time with God. It's not what's in your savings account. It's not the degrees that are hanging in your wall. It's the, what you get from hanging with God. We are not humanitarians. We are building the kingdom of God and we are believers and we are salt and light and that's much deeper than just a good Work. Yeah. Come on. We build. You're a builder. God will give you something that will build what you are supposed to do. You know, what's amazing to me is this. Is that the, through the prophet, God was saying, you know what? You have nothing to build with right now. But if you'll come up, I'll send you back down with something. If you come back up, if you spend some time with me, I'll send you back down with something that will really change your environment. You know, knowledge doesn't build. Revelation builds. Look, there was an expectancy. When you come down the mountain, you're going to have wood. 
You know what? When you come back from a time meeting with God, you're going to possess something. Well, I was there and I... No, no, no. If you really dive in and really connect, here's what will happen. You'll leave with peace that passes all understanding. When you go up the mountain, you have something to use. The third is this. The third is this. Focus on building God's dwelling. Focus on building God's dwelling. This is a sober sentence for me in verse 4. And, and, and what it said was, it talked about that, you know what, you're doing a lot of building, but now is the time because God's house is still in ruins. Today, let me ask you a question. Are you really tired of what's broken in you? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Because if you really want to see that broken dream, that broken thing live again, you have to work on God's dwelling because health proceeds from life. And Jesus is that life. Jesus is that life. Well, I'm having a hard time forgiving what's broken. Well, you don't know what they did. I understand that. And what they did, I'm not trivializing that. That was hard. But what I'm saying to you is this. Let's get your dwelling right. Let's get the dwelling of the Lord right. There are always things. And I think that it gives two implications here. One practical and one spiritual. I'm going to give you the practical first. We love... People coming and joining the community and going through framework because I'm telling you, when you put your hand and your gifts into building the house of God, it changes the environment for a lot of people. The reality is I will ever, forever be grateful for the people who said, you know what, Stephen, we believe in you and your family to go and plant this church. And they wrote me checks and we are here today because people were able to say, you know what? We've seen you over the last 25 years of ministry and we, we believe that God's in this. You're gifting. What, what if there is someone working through divorce, a single mom, a couple struggling, and just a little bit of time with you could give them hope that they didn't have. Come on, what I'm saying is we overcome by the word of the testimony and we got to get to the place where we can share some testimonies. Here's what God brought me through. I was talking to a woman the other day and she was telling me her testimony and literally I wanted to cry because who she was, who she is, and who she was were totally different people. That's the power of what God does. Don't ever be here and think, well, I just can't be like, no, 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 baby. There is a seed that's being planted in your life. And I don't know where it's going to end up, but I know that God produces great things. My hope is that you would see your part to play. That you will focus on building the dwelling place of God. And tonight, tonight is an opportunity. Well, I don't even have any kids. Somebody does. Run a jail. Well, I want to do something spiritual. Well, maybe just laughing with a kid that's growing up without a dad, it's pretty spiritual. So a lot of times we want to see great things happen, but we miss small things, but all small things lead to great opportunities.
That's the reality. In your own life, here's the spiritual takeaway. What is the condition of your heart? Is it in ruins? Maybe you grew up in church and discouragement happened to you and, and brokenness came to you. But I believe that God is saying today, it's time to build it back. What has been torn down in you needs to be resurrected. Because God has some great things that He wants to do in your life. You know, I've given five principles and here's the fourth one and we're going to be done. Every, every sermon I've given a principle and we've been talking about five principles that will help you flourish. Here's the principle today, the fourth principle. Time with God produces visible transformation. See, when you build the dwelling, everybody can see it. You don't fly off like you used to. You're not victimized like you used to. God's doing something in you. And life precedes life. 